Welcome to the Entre Pastors Podcast. This show helps pastors think, act, and thrive as prosperous entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Les Hughes and John Sanders. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Entre Pastors Podcast. My name is John Sanders, one of the co-hosts of the show here with my friend and partner, Les Hughes. Les, man, how you doing today? What's up? I'm good, John. It seems like forever since we've done this, man. So it's good to get back on track. Yeah, it's fun. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. You know, we kind of preloaded the uh, podcast machine because of the Thanksgiving holiday. So it has been a little bit of a break since you and I've been together in the studio mm-hmm. recording. Did you have a good yeah, Thanksgiving? Man. I did. Had a great Thanksgiving and uh, getting back on track, you know, and getting in the rhythm now. And just be, I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll know more about how I'm doing, I guess, in the morning, John. Well, that That's a cliffhanger. What do you got going tonight that's going to be so detrimental and you'll know in the morning? What do Listen, I need man. to know? Listen, uh, a couple of hours ago, I'll, I'll say, let me, let me put it like this. We we, we had a, we had a, a jujitsu lesson today. Uh-oh. And, uh, <clears throat> Hey, listen, I saw, I saw, I didn't, I didn't go to sleep, but I did see some stars. <laughs> like we were just doing this thing. We were, we were learning today how to do a particular, you know, move and, uh, it got pretty serious in there. So I got some things that are feeling very tweaky. <laughs> you got tweaked. Uh, feeling tweaky. Sounds like you got, got choked out, stuff. man. Sounds like you almost saw eternity. I didn't, but Hey, Hey, it, you know, I felt it. That's awesome. I felt it. Well, since we're yeah. talking about our most recent athletic exploits, um, I've I have been killing it on the racquetball court lately, Les, and it's it's not bragging if it's true. It's not bragging if it actually happens. So I played early this morning and beat a guy two out of three games, beat another guy a couple of days nice. ago two out of three games, and I mean, these are just battles back and forth, man. So kind of good to get the sweat flowing that early in the morning, but no one choked me out. The one guy about knocked me out though. We had a blind collision in the racquetball court and about, mm. and I saw stars too. So anyway, and those, when you, when you hit one of those walls, they don't move either. No, those walls are pretty secure in there. So they are, they are indeed. Yeah. Well, that guy knew it when he hit me, it's like running into a brick <laughs> You're pretty house, solid, man. pretty stout guy. So <laughs> anyway, that's well, hey, good. man, uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation today. The title of this episode, whether we're in episode number 67. How'd that happen? That's awesome. Sir. We're moving. But uh, the title of this episode is Five Obstacles to Becoming an Entree Pastor. You know, you and I have a lot of conversations uh, week in and week out with pastors from all across the country that, and even some missionaries in other parts of the world. And uh, we run into some common themes, don't we, Les? Guys struggling with Dude. the same thing. And, uh, and here's the thing, many of them probably think I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm all alone and struggling with this. And the reality is it's pretty common. Like these things we're going to share are pretty common obstacles. Uh, so we're going to label them. We're going to put a big spotlight on them, talk about them a little bit. And, uh, the good news is every one of these is overcomable. Is that a right word? Is that a good word? You can. Yeah. And I know that they are because we've overcome all of them. There I mean, go. we might've not, we might not have camped out very long on a couple of these, but we've faced every single one of them and you just figure out a way to push on through. So we're going to talk to some people who have, have, uh, conquered some of these, but maybe you're stuck a little bit and you just need somebody to speak into them. But so, Hey, we've been there and also we haven't graduated from this school. Right. So there's some days know, we, I still wrestle with some of these things. Yep. So 
That's right. And uh, this is for the yeah buts, okay? So if you got a pastor friend in ministry or, you know, they don't even have to be a full-time pastor. They could just be on church staff somewhere or whatever. And if they've got all the yeah buts to to this, well, yeah, but, you know, what about this and that? We're going to label some of these yeah buts, and we're going to talk about the yeah buts. So number one, these are not in any particular order, but let's just take them this way. Number one, here's a common obstacle that we see a lot of pastors struggling with, and it's a mindset that says, I'm called to ministry, not business. You know, John and Les, I hear you guys talking about being out in the marketplace and building a side hustle or a business or multiple businesses in some cases, and that sounds kind of intriguing and exciting, and the money sure would be nice, but I'm called to ministry, not business. What would you say to that, Les? I would say who labels something business and who labels it ministry? Because if we really trust in the ownership of God for everything, it all belongs to him. There is no mine and the marketplace. It's seriously, it's all ministry. Now, true that there, there is some differences when you are in vocational ministry, and that's really what we're talking about here. But if verses of scripture like, Colossians 3.23 is actually true that, that tells us that we're even to do our work with all diligence and that God's our boss and we do it as unto him, then it truly is, it really is the truth that there is no distinction that we don't take our ministry hat off and put our business hat on. We are a devoted follower of Christ, a kingdom man or woman, 24-7, just like if you're a if you're a dad, you can't stop being a dad. If you're a husband, you don't stop being a husband. That is part of who you are. And then those roles may look differently in different contexts, you know, or different settings. And so there is, as we've said, John, and, and you can just take it, take the baton from here, but there is much, much ministry to be done in what we would refer to as the marketplace as well. Yeah, well, I like how you said that, Les. Like, who whoever told us that ministry only happens inside the four walls of a church building, and you know, if it happens under the umbrella of a church, then it's ministry. But if it's not, and I'll tell you this too, um, as someone who's a little sensitive to that message because I have a foot in both worlds, I I'm a little, you know, I'm a little annoyed when I hear pastors saying things like that. And I, by the way, I've said it too to my shame as I look back over my years in pastoral ministry. I've been that guy that said there was anything greater for God's kingdom that I could be doing, I would be out doing that. Well, that sounds really great if you're the pastor. What does that communicate to everyone else that's sitting out in the pews or the chairs? Like, well, I guess my my job is not as important as John's job because he's doing ministry. I'm just out in this icky secular world, you know, serving people. I've obviously come to realize that's a, a false dichotomy, this idea of sacred versus secular. It's all sacred. And yes, there is ministry out in the marketplace, ministry to non-believers. Les, did you know there's some unsaved people out in the marketplace who need Jesus a lot? I've heard that. I've I've met a few. Yeah. And you know, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So we either believe that or we don't. Yeah. And also you can do ministry to the body of Christ out in the marketplace. Are you okay if I tell a quick story, Les? Yeah, this is hot off the press, man, and uh, I shared it with you right before we went live, so you know where I'm I'm going with this. But it's a great story, man. So here's here's the thing. Today I'm out doing one of my businesses, which is a little handyman, and and I had two jobs to do today. The first one was a simple job, just hanging a TV for a customer, a small flat screen TV. So just a pretty simple job. And by the way, I'm going to go into the nuts and bolts of this, just because we 
share a little of this for our audience, but the invoice was going to be about $150. I was there for probably 45 minutes, so y'all can do the math on that. Not many pastors I know are making $150 or more than that in an hour in their normal pastoral salary, so just let that sink in for a moment. But as I'm there doing this job, I started talking with the customer, and they were asking some stories about my life, whatever, and I was just talking about all the stuff, you know, the pastoring, the podcast, the entree pastors, and I didn't know if they were a believer or not. Much later in the conversation, this gal tells me that, well, my daughter's a missionary over in Africa. She's coming home soon for Christmas and blah, blah, blah. We got to talking about her fundraising and stuff. And so I did the job. I'm ready to leave and move on to the next one. And this gal says, so, you know, how how do I pay you? And I said, you know, something already had kind of hit me a few minutes earlier. I was like, I'm just going to give this one away. But I'm going to give it to the the daughter because she's home to raise funds for her missions work in Africa. So I just said, I tell you what, take the invoice that you would have paid me and uh, give that to your daughter. If you were going to give me a nice tip, give that to your daughter as well. And to just leave me a nice review on Google. And, um, you know, it felt good to be generous and to use my business as a, as a place to give. But I, I challenge you to that pastor who says, well, I'm called to ministry, not business. Tell me that's not ministry. Tell me that we didn't do some kingdom work today by, you know, blessing a missionary that's doing, you know, work for the Lord in another part of the world and blessing someone right here in my own community. Tell me that's not ministry, Les. I'm listening. Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me that that's not ministry. It's <laughs> I'll just tell you, business. John. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, and you know what? Think think back to those days when you were uh, a part of a a small church staff, maybe a single staff church. And how many times did you want to bless somebody in that way who really genuinely needed it yeah. and your heart was there, but you looked in your bank account and you were like, man, I'd love to, but it just is not there. Yeah. So what a blessing to be able to be in that position. Yeah. And I don't say that. To, I'm serious. I don't say that to pat myself on the back or put myself on a pedestal, but I believe in sharing our giving stories sometimes. And this just is a real, you know, real life example as as in real time, like how we can do ministry out in the marketplace. So again, I felt very pastoral in my role, even though I was there in a handyman business, a for-profit business and um, ministry happened and it happens all the time. I can't tell you how many times I have those types of conversations. I certainly don't give away all my work for free. Um, but once in a while it does feel good to give. And I felt the Lord nudging me and I said, all right, let's give. And it was fun. Yeah, and, and now there's more connection even beyond that. I'm going to this this mom set me up for a conversation with their daughter, so we'll see where it goes. You know, I mean, we may there could be potential for ongoing support or networking, or we'll see. It's it's cool, man. So right. don't talk to me about it it being not ministry just because it's out in a for profit business setting. It's still ministry. So that's right. I got nothing. Put that in your pipe and smoke it less. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll put it in my pipe. All right. Well, here's the next thing. Here's the next one. We hear this a lot or renditions of it, and that's. It's not okay for me to be wealthy, John, unless there's something about us, you know, cringing every time we run our debit card at the grocery store, hoping there's enough money in the account to clear the purchase. Like something about that feels holy. Something about that feels like we're right where God wants us to be. We call it living by faith, which other people call it living paycheck to paycheck and being broke and not having enough money to put our kids through college or drive a vehicle that's, you know, less than 20 years old or all that, but we call it piety. We call it holiness. And so, ooh, I don't know if I become this entree pastor and go into business, 
I could actually make some money and have some financial margin, and I'm not okay with that. So what would you say to that pastor that's bumping oh, into that obstacle? I got obstacle? this one, John. Go. I got that. I love this one because here's the trouble. I'm going to take a little different tack than what you did. And, okay, read the question. Read the obstacle one more time. All right. It's not okay for me to be wealthy. All right. Y'all lean in. I want you to listen to this one. I'm leaning. You're all, You're already wealthy. No, I'm not. I don't have yes, enough money for my you're, groceries. You're already rich. You're listening to this on a phone or oh, driving a car, watching it on a computer. If you're if you're watching the video part of it, if you are listening to my voice right now, you are wealthy compared to the vast majority of people in this world. You, you have enough me. to eat. You have a place to sleep. Here's a good definition of of wealth. I read this somewhere, but I really like it. You're rich. If you have everything you need and you've got a little bit to give away or anything to give away. And John, you told me a minute ago that you gave away a pretty good portion of, uh, of change to a lady because you felt like God led you to do that. Yeah. I believe that that's the definition of a rich person. Okay, fine. I'm rich. But I'm not going to be happy about it. <laughs> and the other side of it is, you know, there's no, uh, he, here's the, the, the foundation of that thought, kind of the thought behind it. But if we say, say I, for the, for the sake of argument, let's say, okay, I'm not wealthy. Right? I don't see myself that way. It's like Hughes is out in left field somewhere. You can say whatever you want to say, but I'm not rich. Okay. Well, that's fine. So who, by what definition are you saying that? Like, what's the standard? You know, is, is it a, according to just how we feel? Or is there a, a benchmark somewhere? It's like, okay, anything over that, and now all of a sudden I'm wealthy. Anything over that, and now all of a sudden I'm rich. So we can drill down in some of that. But the bottom line is there are some, some uh, characteristics that are important to God. It, it's not, a, but it's not a number. It's a, it's a spirit and an attitude and their actions. So here's what I would say. If you earn money, honestly, if you give it generously, if you spend it wisely, then the amount doesn't matter. The amount doesn't matter. So wealth, rich, that is a very relative term. And I promise you, there are people in my world that I consider wealthy that don't consider their, themselves wealthy because they want more. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the bottom line in, in our cult. I agree with you hundred percent. When we, when yeah. we look up the ladder, you know, when we compare ourselves in terms of wealth, we always look up the ladder. We never look down at the many, many, many billions of people that are far lower on the socioeconomic ladder. So I get that hundred percent. We are rich. Yes. And amen. But but in terms of our culture, pastors generally are not comparatively, as we look up the ladder, they're they're That's struggling. Right. Mm -hmm. And you and I less are done with that narrative of the starving pastor as as some badge of holiness or righteousness and praise God you're living by faith because you can't hardly pay your bills. And we're calling that, you know, just part of the burden of doing ministry. Who signed up for that? Whoever said it has to be that way. 
Um, that's where we're really pushing back on this. And, and if you're, by the way, if you're content to be there, like you truly enjoy that moment of adrenaline rush when you swipe the debit card and hope the, you know, hope there's money to go through. And like, if you enjoy that and you're content with that, that's great. But if you're like most people who go, this feels really tight. This feels like pressure. I've got good news for you. You don't have to stay there. I'm amazed at how many Christians I hear misquote scripture and talk about money's the root of all kinds of evil. That's not what the Bible says. You know that, Les. It says the love of money, and yet even pastors, we just kind of buy into some of those negative mindsets around money, that ooh, yuck, icky money. And if you have that mindset, I promise you, you're not going to build wealth. You're not going to grow wealth. We want to help you overcome that mindset, not from the standpoint of greed or that you're not content with what God has blessed you with, but that you hear God's voice saying, if you want to be blessed with more, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not telling you no. So if you don't want to struggle financially, you don't have to. And rather than, like we think, I think, anyway, I'll take my own ownership of this. The the business model of the local church is not a very great business model. It's, we have our hands out to, to our people saying, give to the Lord, which I believe is biblical, right? And God's people give. And then Pastors get a cut off of that, and our our sole income is dependent upon the giving of other people, which statistically speaking is not usually that awesome, and um, and money can be tight for the average pastor. So we're not saying go to your church and ask for more money or get a raise. We're saying get out in the marketplace. The, the ceiling is removed on your earning potential. Go make some money and build wealth yeah. and, and be wealthy, and we're good with that. And, yeah, uh, and to kind of and to kind of come full circle, my my reason for saying that when I began wasn't just to be provocative; it was just to illustrate that the whole concept of who's wealthy and who's not is a relative thing. Yeah. So that when, what we're saying is is it is it is it right or wrong or holy or unholy to to live in wealth or scarcity? And what I'm saying is that that's not a thing to God at all. Anyway, there are there are too many people in scripture that are commended because of their spirit, their heart, their generosity, people like Barnabas, you know, in the, in the new Testament, there, there's an example for you. We won't get down into the weeds, but just, you know, think about the people that listen to this podcast, know what I'm talking about. Think about they Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira did basically the same thing. And there was a whole, there was a whole lot of difference in their spirit and in deception on the part of Ananias and Sapphira, but as far as their action, they were both people evidently of means, and they they did some similar actions. They sold a piece of property and gave, you know, to the apostles to distribute. Yeah. The problem was that the the couple did it in a deceptive way and held back some. When it, and the, here's the thing, they're they're told it was all yours to begin with. Right, you didn't have to give any of it. Right. So there's there's people like I mean we won't get into there's a long list of people who at the time were considered wealthy, but they're righteous people. Right. They had bank and there's many of them, old Testament, new Testament, and God didn't seem to be disappointed in their wealth. So, so pastor, let's help you get over that one. Like let's help you get okay with financial margin in your life and some financial peace. I don't know if we can say that without giving Dave Ramsey a quarter when we say financial (laughs) peace, but anyway. We want that for you. So, all right, the third one, let's keep moving here. Here's another one that we bump into uh, where a pastor will say, I don't have permission. And that permission could, they, they could be referring to, you, often it's their church, like my church won't let me do this. Sometimes yeah. maybe it's a spouse, you know, or a leadership team or a board or something, but 
Someone yeah. in their mind is standing in the way saying, ah, uh, 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 you can't do this. We own you. You belong to us. We get 24 hours of your day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So you are not allowed, pastor, to go out in the marketplace and uh, serve people by trimming trees, washing carpets, hanging TVs, selling stuff online, selling cars, flipping stuff. You can't do that. What say you to that, Les? Well, again, there are several ways to approach this. It all depends upon the system that somebody's in. And I would just say be wise and don't necessarily do something that's going to be crazy that's going to end up with you and your family being being put out and then you're really struggling. But overall, there are ways to even work through this one. And the best, one of the best ways, if not the best, is just to have an understanding when you, if you have the luxury of having this desire to really go out and be in the marketplace some, then when you, before you go and you accept a position or accept a call uh, somewhere, then have that understanding, have that conversation. And it yeah. might be that that's a deal breaker in some cases, but you know, maybe not. I actually know that there are some, in, in some there are some places and there are some people who would actually highly respect a pastor or a minister who wants to still get their hands dirty and yeah. be, you know, in the marketplace. So don't assume that you know how they're going to respond. If you're already in a situation that let's just take a healthy scenario, then there's a way to respectfully approach the influencers and you know who they are um, to start having those conversations and um, prayerfully step in there and, and do it, you know, have, have courage and then do it without making any demands, just like you would any other change, John, yeah. in the same way that you would any other change or big decision. That's just wisdom to do that. Yep. They could be in a toxic situation, which is a whole different ball game. And that could lead to some very, very hard decisions. Yeah. And if, it, if you're in a toxic situation, less you're so diplomatic the way you say that, but I'm like, burn the <laughs> thing down, man. Not like literally don't start any like literal Easy. fires, but Burn the system down if, if you're in a toxic but here's the thing. Let's 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 go positive for a minute. The truth is this already is a thing. There's many pastors doing this. More and more it's becoming a normal thing. More and more it's going to be a necessity where churches, even if they don't like it, are going to need their pastors to be looking for sources of income beyond what is able to come in through the, the normal giving. So uh, this is a good time to be thinking about being an entree pastor. But yeah, don't just sit down in the road because you think you don't have permission. I'll tell you just a quick practical story. It's anecdotal. But you know, years ago when I was faced with a really awesome opportunity that I was really excited about at the time to go back into full-time firefighting, and just if you don't know my story, I left that career to go be a church planter. I felt I was being obedient to what God was asking me to do. He blessed it. I never like regretted it. I, I always felt it was a it was a sacrifice I would do again and again, right? But there still was a part of me that kind of missed the fire service. I never had any like intentions of going back into that. Fast forward many years later, I'm a full-time pastor leading a multi-site church, fully supported. I have a you know full-time income from that church. And here's this opportunity that gets dropped in front of me to go back into full-time firefighting plus being a pastor. So this, Les, was really the beginning of, of me starting down this road of what later would become entree pastors. I didn't know it at the time, but I, had a, I was bumping into this stuff. I had so much—this is when I learned how much of a people pleaser I am because I was so afraid of making people mad in our church. And, and it's not even that I needed their permission. I wanted them to still like me, and I wanted their blessing. So here's what I did, to your point, Les, about 
going to the gatekeepers and and the the power holders, you know, those who are the decision makers. After a few months of prayer, talking about it with my wife, bringing in some outside godly counsel, when it was time to go to my church, I, I was very strategic about it. I started with my leadership team first, who I love those guys, and you know they loved me. And then I, I started to go to my staff. There was a season where I was saying, please don't spread this out and make it public, because I still didn't even know if I was going to get the job. But once once I saw that they're going to hire me, like this thing's going to go, they're going to offer me the this full-time job, I started to sit down in small groups with our entire church family. And my here was my message to them, and I want our pastors to hear this. It may your your details may look a little, a little different, but what I told them was, I don't need your permission, but I'm asking for your blessing because they if they they couldn't tell me no, and and I want our pastors to hear that you have more permission than you think you have, and I personally operate off the my you know kind of the motto of ask forgiveness, not permission anyway. Just go do it, right? But I did want their blessing, and I sought their blessing, and I'm happy to say that you know 98.7 percent of our church family was either very supportive or at least somewhat supportive to say, we we give you our blessing. I know there were some people that were not excited to see their full-time pastor now be in a full-time firefighting career, but I knew I could do both. I knew it would require some juggling and balancing some stuff on my side, but I want pastor... Here's, here's where my mind went with this, Les, was if I say no to this because of fear of what someone in my church is going to think, and I just go, okay, fine, I'll just be your pastor, and I'm going to let this amazing opportunity for a job I love, income, ministry opportunities, and I'd let all that go. Someday I'm going to be an old wrinkly guy looking back on my deathbed, looking back over my life going, I could have been a firefighter for longer, but I was afraid of what people thought. And God was not the one telling me no. I was afraid of what my people were going to say. And I'm grateful that I pushed through that. And that you know, was the first of many of those times where I've kind of pushed through those discomforts of like, what are people going to think if they see John doing this or that? So anyway, you have more permission than you think you have. There's a right way to go about doing it. You know, that verse comes to mind where Jesus says, be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. You know, there's a level of shrewdness and strategery that should be used in these types of settings, but um, you have more permission. Anything else on that one, Les, you want to say? Yeah, I would just say that, um, you know, we're not talking to everybody. We're talking to the people that, want to be in the marketplace some for a variety of reasons. We've done other podcasts. We've got other things that talk about all the, all of the reasons, but we're not trying to say if you're in a season of your life or you're at a church or a ministry and it really requires most, if not all of your, the time that you can give it, like you've got church and ministry stuff and your family. And that is it. Okay. I've, I've lived a season like that. Okay. And, and there are places and there are seasons that are that way. And if that's your choice and that's God's desire for you, blessings on you go for it and and do it. If you, but if you're not at that place for, again, for a, a lot of reasons, if you're not at that place, we're just saying to be in the marketplace is not necessarily turning your back in and of itself is not turning your back on your calling. It's just not. Can I say something a little provocative less? This is going to stir the pot a little bit. <laughs> Go right, for do it. Do I have your permission? If, if you it. are pastoring in that setting, 
because I agree. I see there's maybe some settings and times that that would require that. But I'm just going to say you better be bringing in six figures from your church if it's requiring mm-hmm. that much of you. Because the average pastor that we deal with isn't making six figures from their church. They're making about 45K a year. And they tell us, I have no time in my life because ministry is all consuming. I got a problem with that. We want to set you free from that. That tells me, pastor, you are far underpaid and you're doing way too much. You're probably doing some ministry that needs to be handed off to the actual workers of ministry, which is the saints, the body, and you need to be doing more equipping. Um, anyway, that that gets into a whole different thing. But so I agree with Les. I'm not disagreeing with you. I do think there's certain, you know, your church gets to a certain size. You're at a certain level of influence. You may not have that bandwidth in your schedule to do both. Um, but yeah. if it's simply because your church of 40 people are running you ragged and telling you the, you know, 40 grand they pay you is a full time salary, I want to set you free from that. So let's get some time back in your schedule. Let's get out in the marketplace, make some money, and, and watch what happens when God starts doing work in the church through the body of Christ, not just one really tired guy who's burning out. So amen. Let's That's take good. an offering and sing just That's as good. I am because I feel the spirit <laughs> moving right now, Les. That was good. That's good stuff, man. All right. Two more we want to get through. So uh, here's another one we bump into a lot with pastors. I don't have any skills that could be used or rewarded out in the marketplace. I've just been a pastor. I went to Bible college and then seminary. And all I've done has been leading this church for the last decade and a half or two decades or 30 years or whatever. So what in the world could I ha- possibly have to offer out in the marketplace? What do we say to pastors that are struggling with that thought? We had this conversation very recently, in fact, just this week. So what did you call it? You called it the curse of knowledge. Is that the right yes. term? If I, am I saying that right? Yep. And basically what that is, folks, is that you you assume that the things that come either naturally or that you're a lot of experience or that you're educated to do or just equipped to do, you just assume that those things come as easily for everyone and they do not. Right. So if you've if you're depending on the type of ministry that you're in, if you can let's say man speak in front of people, if you're if you can do public speaking, which is what preaching and teaching is, if you can uh, solve problems, conflict management, uh, hire people, let people go, uh, family counseling, administration, setting a budget, all of those are marketable skills. Absolutely. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. That is just the tip of the iceberg. But you realize the first one you mentioned, public speaking, the average person would rather be dead than to have to speak (laughs) in public. It is the number one fear, more than the fear of dying itself. People are terrified to speak in public. And as pastors, most of us do it and do it well. I've sat through a few pastors that don't do it very well, but it's, uh, I know I won't name names, but uh, anyway, most of us are comfortable upfront speaking and leading and teaching and all of that and so much more, our writing skills, the computer skills, the tech skills we learn, even physical hands-on skills. I, Les, I've, I led a small church where we started up multiple campuses. I can't tell you how many times I had a drill in my hand or power tools or you know had the grubby work clothes on building something, remodeling something. Like Normal pastors of normal small churches do that kind of stuff. They're not blessed to be able to just say, hire all this out. They, they do a lot of the maintenance themselves. That, that You have skills that you've been using in pastoral ministry that if we just you know package those a little different, ha- helped you think about those a little different, uh, we could find one, if not multiple, 
avenues for you to pursue in the marketplace. We we see another extreme of this too, Les, and this is an exciting thing we we help pastors with. We, we sometimes meet guys that are, and gals that have too many, like they don't know where to go with it. They have so many ideas. They see so many possibilities. Uh, we're excited to have those conversations too, but uh, that's a whole different energy to deal with than the, the pastor that's sitting here going, I'm just a pastor. I have no idea. You know, maybe retirement's coming, whatever. I have no idea what I'm going to do because I all I know how to do is be a pastor. So it's like, no, you, you have a lot of skills you've been using in pastoral ministry that you could get paid for out in the marketplace. So, well, and and we both know a, a pastor that has basically through the years taken his messages, his sermons, and he's turned them into podcasts. He's turned them into books, either self-published or another publisher. And it all together, it creates quite a good income for him. In addition to, you know, his salary as them still a lead pastor of a church. Yeah. You're talking about the one and only John Stange, I believe, correct? He's been a Indeed guest on the show. Yeah. And again, we know other pastors doing similar similar things. So whether your focus with all of that is ministry-related or, again, you can focus on something totally beyond the scope of pastoral ministry, it's that pathway is there for you to take those skills right. and uh, monetize them through your writing, your speaking, your coaching, your serving, your leading, your administration. All that stuff is rewardable out in the marketplace and valued. Um, the last one, no one really comes right out and says this to us, but I'm going to lay, I'm going to say it. We're going to put a spotlight on it. And we're going to talk about it for just a minute. And it's simply this voice that says, I'm scared I, for whatever reason. I'm afraid. Like, yes, I like the idea of having more income. I like the idea of having, you know, a better grip on my time because I've had to, be, I've been forced to deal with some of these boundaries and we're equipping more people to do all the work of the ministry while I'm, you know, freed up to do some other things. All of that sounds amazing, but John and Les, I'm scared. And what happens when we get scared often is we get paralyzed. And we see people stall out on their journey, Les, because, you know, they, they have a lot of other excuses. And sometimes they mask their fear with perfectionism. You know, all the stars have to come into alignment. I have to I'm just waiting for my website to get totally perfect. I'm waiting for my last kid to get out of college and you're like, well, how old are they? Well, they're six. Well, man, let's, you know, let's take some action here, right? Like that is the, the, that is the key to overcoming fear is to take action in spite of the fear to move in its face, right. And move toward the thing that's scaring you. But what, what would you say to encourage that pastor that if they were to be honest, would just say, I'm kind of scared. I'm, I'm nervous yep. about it mm -hmm. and afraid. I I'd start by echoing what you just said in a little different way. I would quote our good friend, Nick, the one and only Nick Pavlidis, mm. who just says, do it scared. There and, you go. and that was so much his story early on. He's very successful ghostwriter and entrepreneur. He's got, he's a, he's an attorney, was a New York attorney for many, many years. So he even named his company, you know, I think it's DIS LLC, something like that, because of that, that was sort of, he really had to lean into that. Mm. Think of it this way. Have a, there are several ways to get around this or really to push through it. You never quite get around it, I guess, but to push through it. One of the ways, John, is to have a very strong why. And if your why, if you're if the purpose that you want to be in the marketplace and in ministry, I'm just using those separately for the reasons we've mentioned. If you if you really have a strong why you can sort of push through the scared and do it anyway. Mm. And we both have personal examples where it would have been 
easier and more comfortable to stay where we were and continue to struggle. But that's just not a way that we wanted to live. It's just, it's just not. And, um, that's what I would say is to, is to push through it and, and to do it scared and have a strong why. I, I remember those early days of ministry, John. I was petrified yeah. to get up on stage behind a pulpit. I was like 26 years yeah. old. Are you kidding me? And say, thus saith the Lord. I was scared to death, man. But you know what? My sense of calling was strong enough that I did it scared. There you go. And I, this is very different, probably, from what we're talking about, or at least there may not be as much on the line, or or I don't know, there may be. I'm just saying it's this, it's similar. It's a very similar mindset. To uh, I have a desire to do this, and you know, the it, it's more painful not to do it than it is to push through and and do it scared. Yeah, you know, it, this is cliche. I know, and many in our audience have already heard this, but courage is not the absence of fear, right? Like a lot of times, people think that that people who are taking action and doing brave things, that they must not have any fear, right? But that's not true. Courage is feeling that fear and taking action in spite of it. And I want to just add one other little thought to this, Les. For you know, for me, I, we get this a lot in the fire service. People think, oh, you must be fearless because you go into buildings that are on fire and you put yourself in dangerous situations. Well, I got to tell you, no, the f- fear is real sometimes. you You are doing things that everything in your physical mind is saying, this is not a good idea. We should not do this. Um, But I'll tell you one thing that helps take action in spite of that is having a team around you. You know, I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing it together. So I would say to any pastor that is really wrestling with that fear of getting started or taking action, at the end of the day, you are the one that has to take the action. I can't take it for you. If I could, I would, but I can't. You have to do it, but I can walk beside you and I can help you know, maybe calm some of that fear by saying, you're not alone. I'm with you. And not just me personally. I'm saying like us, we have a community at Entree Pastors. We have multiple layers of community where people can jump in, whether it's our free Facebook group, whether it's a challenge we're getting ready to talk about here as we sign off in a few minutes, whether it's our mastermind. We have different levels of engagement where people can jump in and say, hey, I'm not alone. I actually have a community of men and women that are walking beside me and on a similar path. And that helps me to take action in spite of the fear and, and move toward the very thing that I think I'm afraid of right now. So anyway, I hope that's an encouragement to somebody, whether it's the last one we talked about or any of the other ones, just these are common things. If you're bumping into these obstacles, this is a normal part of the process and you're not alone. So, but let's deal with it. Let's name it and tame it. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you, Les? You name it (laughs) and tame it. I heard that in the world of peer support and mental health. Sometimes if you can just name your feeling, it takes so much of the power of that feeling away. So just name it, call it out. What is it you're struggling with? And let's tame it. Let's overcome it. What, What else? I'll give you the final words here, Les. Oh, I don't have anything at all to add to that. Let's go ahead and, and jump in what we got going on. All right. So we have got our four days to a profitable business idea challenge. We've got a challenge coming up in December, December 12th through the 15th. Am I getting those dates right, Les? That's right. So December 12th through the 15th, every single day for four days, Les and John are going to be showing up to a community, whoever wants to jump in and be a part of this. And we're going to go through four major modules together. We're going to talk about our mindset around all of this stuff, We're going to help you do a thorough assessment of your skills, talents, abilities, interests, passions, all of that. 
We're going to help you choose a pathway that, you know, what a good business would be for you. And then we're going to talk some strategy. What would be some next steps and some strategic things you need to think about so that by the end of those four days, you have a very solid idea of what that business could be for you. Especially think about the timing of this, Les. We're in December, you know, early December as we're talking right now, heading into a brand new year. What better time to start something new than than January of 2023? So, where do they go to get signed up for this challenge? It's absolutely free. There's no cost to this. So where do they do it, Les? No cost at all, and there's no strings attached at all. We just, just show up. So, But you do need to sign up. So yes. it's at entrepastors.com forward slash four-day challenge, and it's the number four, the numeral four. So entrepastors.com forward slash four-day challenge. Go ahead and get you a seat. And we'd love to have you on there. You bet. We'll also put the link to that in the show notes of this episode. We will also put it in our free Facebook community. If you go to Entree Pastors Connect, you can find the details there. But uh, definitely get yourself registered for it. There is a VIP offer where if you want an additional call each of those days, you'll have an opportunity to be on with myself and Les. That is not free, uh, but there's it is incredible value. It's like 100 bucks for four days of getting on a call with John and Les and uh, again, a small group, whoever wants to be in that VIP group, we will, in the first call, the free part, you and I are going to be doing a lot of content teaching around this stuff. In the second call, the VIP is where we're going to be doing coaching for those that say, hey, I want to go a little bit deeper. That would be another example of jumping into that community and having that support as you take action moving forward. So good stuff, Les. This has been fun, man. Let's, uh, let's sign off. You ready to take off? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for being listeners to the show. We appreciate each and every one of you. All we would ask, if you find value in this content, would you please just share it with other pastors or church staff people or missionaries or people with a kingdom heart in your world that could use a little financial margin and have something to offer out in the marketplace? Share it with them. We'd love to encourage and inspire them with this content. So thank you and God bless. Les, have a great week, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right. 